We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Big Blue Banter Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato. Unfortunately, Dan Schneier cannot be joining me today to break down the practices from the 2022 Reese's Senior Bowl. There are a lot of interesting individuals down there, and we're going to go through some of the risers and maybe some of the fallers as well. Dan and myself will be recording another podcast to talk about all of the other happenings surrounding the New York Giants, but this podcast will be specific to the Reese's Senior Bowl. It's one of my favorite events of the year. I typically go down there every single year. I didn't make it last year, and I couldn't make it this year, but I'm hoping to make it next year to break down all of these top seniors in college. So without further ado, let's get started. And I guess we could start at the quarterback position. John Merritt and the Giants seem pretty hell-bent on giving Daniel Jones the chance to earn the job, which I can definitely see happening. But if Joe Shane were to fall in love with one of these top quarterback prospects, I don't believe Joe Shane is not going to draft him just because of the presence of Daniel Jones. Five of the six top quarterbacks are down in Mobile right now. The only one that is not is Ole Miss's Matt Corral. So you have Malik Willis from Liberty, Sam Howell from North Carolina, and Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky on the American team, and then Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, and Carson Strong from Nevada on the national team. It's funny because if you peruse through Twitter, you'll see that there is not a consensus on who the best quarterback is down in Mobile. And honestly, watching all the tape from all the practices, I get the feeling that there wasn't somebody, one individual that truly kind of took the mantle of being the number one quarterback heading into this draft and earned it. I don't think that happened down here. If I had to choose one quarterback that I felt like impressed more than others, 
I think I would probably go with Malik Willis, the quarterback from Liberty, but it's more so because I feel like he has elite type of traits. He has elite potential with great coaching that elite potential can be unlocked. And it's something we've seen Brian Dayball do. Brian Dayball unlocked Josh Allen. And Patrick Mahomes, he's amazing. But Mike Kafka was along for the journey of developing Patrick Mahomes from the raw player he was at Texas Tech to the player he is now. And Malik Willis, he's raw. He does not necessarily have great lower body mechanics when he's throwing the football, can lead to some accuracy issues, but Malik Willis can hit every throw on the field. He has a rocket. He could throw it on a line with great velocity, and he's an excellent athlete. He's not the biggest. Now, he came in at six foot but he's 220 pounds. That's a thick guy right there. Six foot, 220 pounds. So I think if there's one quarterback that interests me the most, it would probably be Malik Willis. Now you can also look at Kenny Pickett. Down at the Senior Bowl, he didn't get his hands measured, which is a big sticking point because it's a rumor that Kenny Pickett has sub nine inch hands, which I don't believe there's ever really been a quarterback with hands that small in the National Football League. So he decided to not get his hands measured and everybody was talking about it specifically in the second day of practice when it was rainy and wet. So it kind of became this huge talking point down there in Mobile. But watching the tape, man, his arm has some pop, man. He could throw off balance. He could roll him out. He's actually pretty athletic. He could throw with touch. He can throw with anticipation. I didn't think he was all that bad down there in Mobile, but he didn't necessarily take the mantle either. I don't think any of these individuals really did that. Now, everyone talks about the 2023 quarterback class. It's a little bit early to do that. But Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud from Alabama and Ohio State, respectively, those guys also have and possess elite traits that we're seeing at the college level, at the highest level, whereas Malik Willis was playing at Liberty. Malik Willis also has some tape that is really head-scratching. I haven't gotten around to it yet, but that's another reason for concern. So I'm not 100% certain if the Giants will ultimately go after a quarterback in this draft. I think they would rather lay the foundation of the roster and get the players that they believe can assist the next quarterback while evaluating Daniel Jones in this last year. But we'll see come draft and we'll see when the decision on Daniel Jones's fifth year option comes up, which I ultimately do not believe the Giants will invest in. But as for the 2022 Reese's Senior Bowl quarterbacks, I don't really think there was truly one that was far and away better than everybody else. But the one that I'm interested in would be Malik Willis. But let's transition to these running backs. Now, I often say down at the Senior Bowl, the running back position and the linebacker position don't necessarily stick out as much as some of these other positions. Now, the offensive line, defensive line, one-on-ones, they're huge. Everyone loves those. The DB wide receiver ones as well, even though it sucks to be a DB in those drills, I don't think you can really glean all that much off of how good a wide receiver is when they take like three seconds to release off the line of scrimmage with a bunch of stutter steps and by that point the quarterback in a real football game would be getting hit but you can take away athletic ability and all those types of traits movement ability stop start ability flexibility some route running but in terms of the running back it's not necessarily contact in practice so you don't necessarily see contact balance but I do love watching the blitz pickup drills and I also like watching the receiving drills and I thought the running back that stood out the most down in Mobile was easily Florida's Damian Pierce. And Pierce is a 5'9", 220-pound running back. So that is a thick dude right there. And if you watch him at Florida, 
He's explosive, man. He has deep speed. He scored on several long touchdowns. But for whatever reason, Dan Mullen, who is no longer employed by Florida, did not utilize his skill set all that much. In college, I mean, he only had 100 carries this past year. He goes down to the senior bowl, and you can see his movement ability. You can see his aggressiveness in pass protection and how he's not getting bullied by a blitzing linebacker who has a two-way go on him. He stays square to him. His feet are angled towards him. He keeps his hips angled at him, and then he moves and shifts with said linebacker. And those drills are more advantageous to the defense, just like the offensive line, defensive line drills are more advantageous to the defense, and then the wide receiver D-back drills are more advantageous for the offense. So to see the running back hold up in that specific drill is really good to see when you combine it with his ability to run in between the tackles, his ability to catch the edge with speed, his breakaway ability with speed and explosiveness in space along with that frame that he has. You know, you like to see all of those things. And you look at the New York Giants running back situation, it is not a foregone conclusion that Saquon Barkley will be here for this entire season. It's not certain that Devontae Booker will be here this season either. So the Giants may be looking for a running back on day three, and Pierce could realistically be a running back that's available around then. So I think that's definitely an option. Other running backs that I felt like had solid weeks Rashad White from Arizona State. Now, I really like this kid's tape. He has burst for days, explosiveness, good size. He's six foot, 210 pounds. He carries it well. His acceleration through the hole, his vision, and his patience were all something that I liked on his film. And then he went down to Mobile, and I felt like he had a solid overall week, just in terms of hitting the hole with the burst that I knew he already possessed. So I liked White. I also thought Tyler Batty, the kid from Missouri, did a solid job in receiving skills. He's just really undersized for a running back. He's five foot seven, 199 pounds. He has smaller hands, but you give him a two-way go. I saw him run a nice angle route where he really just froze the linebacker and scored in the red zone drill on the third practice. So I think Tyler Batty is another interesting name at the running back position. And as I said, I think the Giants are going to be in the market to possibly add another day three running back to possibly pair with Gary Brightwell, who they drafted in the sixth round over Trey Smith, who just started for a team that made it to the AFC championship game transitioning to the wide receivers I also don't believe there was one guy who was clearly dominant over the rest but there was several really interesting names I would say probably the best was Christian Watson of North Dakota State six foot four 211 pounds good 32 and a half inch arms and I felt like he won in a variety of ways he made a contested catch down the field on a vertical route where the ball was slightly underthrown and he had to work back into a cornerback that he already beat with his release off the line of scrimmage and he made that catch he had a really nice comeback route as well he sunk his hips kind of created separation subtly with just a little bit of a forearm and then fell out of bounds got both feet in bounds that's really really important and he also had success in the red zones he won in a multitude of ways showing a diverse route tree from a school that is a play action based school he averaged over 20 yards per catch in college remember he had Trey Lance as his quarterback so I think he's somebody who can stretch the field he's somebody who can be a short to intermediate target and there's a clip going around Twitter of him releasing off the line of scrimmage and his lower body flexibility and the bend that he's showing in this just photo it's a screenshot is absolutely wild and insane so I 
really liked what I saw from Christian Watson. Another player, totally different build, is Calvin Austin III from Memphis. This is a 5'7", 173-pound wide receiver. Not ideal, but man, this guy is shifty. He can release off the line of scrimmage with a variety of different moves. Now, I expect him to probably struggle against press at the NFL level, but it's going to be hard for these press corners to really get their hands on his chest with his quickness, his diminutive size, and the way he uses his hands. And once he gets around you and wins off the line of scrimmage, the acceleration and the ability to create separation purely from an athletic standpoint is excellent. And he's full of shoulder fakes and head nods and all of these little nuanced ways to create separation due to his route running. I really think Calvin Austin III, which also just really sounds like an NFL name, I really think he made himself some money. I mean, he can join a long list of players that came out of Memphis who were skilled position players who were impact players in the National Football League. I mean, that list includes Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard, Daryl Henderson. They're doing something right in the home of the Blues, and I think Calvin Austin can really join that list. And that wasn't it, man. I mean, you had Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama playing in his home stadium. He was winning off the line of scrimmage and stacking on defensive backs, showing vertical ability, showing release ability. He's another name I felt like did a good job, and I think probably the best overall route runner down in Mobile might have been Khalil Shakir of Boise State. Six foot, 193 pounds, isn't all that long, but you get him in a short area and ask him to win with his release off the line of scrimmage. He did it in team drills. He did it in red zone. He did it in the one-on-ones. I felt like Shakir is just a player with good hands who runs crisp routes that not a lot of people are talking about, but he was definitely somebody who was a winner of this week. I also thought Vilis Jones Jr. from Tennessee, five foot 11, 203 pounds on the third practice man. And he was just winning in the red zone with excellent routes. He put Cam Taylor Britt, a really talented cornerback out of Nebraska, but one who's a little high cut, a little bit more physical and a little bit bigger into a blender in this red zone drill where he faked like he was going to go inside and then ran a seven route to the flag and caught a touchdown pass. I really liked what we saw from Velas Jones Jr. As for any of these other wide receivers. Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, he might be one of the wide receivers who was most touted coming into the Senior Bowl after Dotson from Penn State opted out of the event last minute. And Alec Pierce, man, he's just consistent. He's six foot three, 208 pounds. He played big slot for Cincinnati. He had Desmond Ritter down in Mobile with him. That was his college quarterback. But you know, this is just somebody who knows how to run routes, knows how to win contested catch situations, but he also creates some separation. Yes, he's a bigger bodied guy, but I don't believe that he's just somebody who creates separation with his great route running. He's also someone who has some deep speed. He's physical at the catch point, wins those contested catch situations, and just makes highlight reel type of plays. So I think Alec Pierce is an interesting wide receiver that you can align as an X. You can use him as a big slot as well. And one of the receiver that I want to touch on, not just because he's a Jersey product, but I like this kid's deep speed, and I like his ability to separate, and that's Bo Melton from Rutgers. He's 5'11", 191 pounds. He has small hands, sub-9 inches, and that's probably why he struggles with securing passes. At least he did down at Rutgers. But if you watch his ability to win off the line of scrimmage and create separation and stack on top of the cornerback, and what I mean by that is when a wide receiver wins 
outside or inside, he has to dip that inside shoulder and get around the cornerback. And once he does that, once he wins in that area, he then angles his stem back over the top where the cornerback is. So the cornerback, once he turns around, he's going to be met with that wide receiver. And that's going to be a tough position for that cornerback to play any pass that's well put over that outside shoulder or well in front. So it's just a great advantageous way for the wide receiver to ensure separation and it is a bad place for cornerbacks to be. And Bo Melton has that in his arsenal. He has that speed as well, that deep speed, that explosiveness, the burst, the ability to run routes. I mean, he put a couple cornerbacks on the national team in a blender as well, just off the line a scrimmage going inside, crossing the face of the cornerback and getting the cornerback's hips completely flipped, albeit it's very difficult for the cornerbacks in these drills, but you can see the natural movement ability of a player like Bo Melton. This is somebody who is going to be a late round pick, somebody who is not going to be drafted high with the current wide receivers coming out, but he has interesting movement ability that will intrigue NFL teams, specifically his speed. Just wish that he had bigger hands and was a little bit more secure with catching the football in contested catch situations. And before we head on over to the tight ends, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at Blue Wire. What's going on, everyone? Football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Giants tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go to find NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame, hopefully they win a football game, then Please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The New York football giants are in the market for the tight end position. Evan Ingram is a free agent. Caden Smith was hurt most of last season. He should be there. He should return. Levine Toilolo towards Achilles in training camp. And then you have Kyle Rudolph, who more than likely will be a cap cut. So you got to look at these tight ends because the Giants are interviewing them. They got face-to-face time down at the Senior Bowl with a lot of these individuals. And I think the Giants are going to be very interested in some of these guys we're about to go over. And there's two main factors of playing tight end, right? Blocking and receiving. So the first guy that comes to my mind is actually Ohio State's Jeremy Ruckert, because this is somebody who played at Ohio State with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So his production was not there from a receiving standpoint, but I watched his film and you saw nuance in his route running. You saw the ability to create separation in and out of his breaks. You saw that in the short to intermediate range, but you didn't see him really go up the seam and, and use vertical type of concepts because that offense is more predicated on the skill set of their five-star wide receivers. They're not going to prioritize throwing the football to Jeremy Rucker. But I really like Rucker, man, because he is a dog as a blocker. And the Giants last year ran a ton of split zone. They ran a lot of counter where they pulled that sniffer from the backside and kicked out the end man on the line of scrimmage with the backside guard and then had the tight end lead block. And Jeremy Rucker in those situations destroyed bodies and he stole souls. So he has the blocking ability and that was on display down in Mobile as well. But we also saw receiving skills from him. We saw soft hands. He made a couple contested catches. We saw some nice route running ability. Really like Jeremy Ruckert as a day two pick for the New York Giants. And then there's Trey McBride out of Colorado State. This is somebody who's a little bit more undersized than Ruckert in the sense of height. He's six foot three, 249 pounds. So he's around the same weight. He doesn't really have the same power that Ruckert has or technique as a blocker, although I will say I saw a couple reps in team period and nine on seven where he washed the edge down the line of scrimmage. I thought McBride showed some blocking chops in a lot of these drills. He's not known for that, but I thought from some of the reps I saw, he played with good leverage, had solid power at the point of attack, had that pad level down, had good center of gravity and balance, sat back on his hips a little bit whenever he was met with a power rusher when he was kept in to block in those situations. So there is some intrigue there as a blocker, but McBride is known for being a receiver. He led the nation in receiving for the tight end position. He led the nation in receptions. He had over 90 receptions, over a thousand yards. Colorado State offense ran through Trey McBride. Now, I don't necessarily see somebody who's going to consistently separate at the next level with Trey McBride. I think he's a nuanced route runner, knows how to get open from that standpoint. But a lot of these linebackers down there were kind of sticking to him. Now, he would go up, climb the ladder, and make a contested catch. And that's awesome. But you don't want to not have an ability to create separation against other professional 
athletes. You don't want to always rely on your contested catch ability, and that could be something that holds him back from reaching his true potential. I'm not saying that he would be a bad pick on day two at all. I think he's a fantastic player, but those are just some concerns that you can see when you kind of go through his tape. Now, those weren't the only tight ends. I think Isaiah likely kind of falls into that same category, somebody who was great in contested catch situations, but isn't necessarily somebody who's going to consistently create space and separation while running routes. Likely is the tight end from Coastal Carolina. He's six foot four, 241 pounds, has good length, going to be a great red zone threat for whoever drafts him. And another tight end that I feel like stood out was Cole Turner, the kid from Nevada. And I really noticed this actually on the third day of practice. He's six foot six, 246 pounds. He had a really nice catch up the seam, as did McBride. Both of them were in contested catch situations. And then I saw Cole Turner do pretty well in a bunch of blocking drills as well. So he was somebody that I had not watched. I haven't dove into Carson Strong's tape, so I haven't watched a lot of Nevada offense, but I thought Cole Turner uses his body well. He boxes out defenders. I thought the contested catchability of Cole Turner was pretty impressive down in Mobile. Now, Cole Turner is going to go way after Trey McBride, so if a team really wants a player that has a Trey McBride type of skill set, a good receiving threat, someone with strong hands, somebody who can make those contested catches, then I think Cole Turner could be a good day three pick if that team ends up passing or missing on someone like Trey McBride. So those are some of the tight ends that really stood out to me. I don't think the tight end class is excellent. There's no Kyle Pitts in this type of draft. There's no Evan Ingram type of athlete or, or David Njoku type of athlete, but there's a lot of guys who I feel like will be pros for a long time. A lot of those Dalton Schultz types of players. And you know what, man? Dalton Schultz is a damn good player who's about to get paid. Let's remember that Joe Shane and Brian Dayball were a team that selected, obviously Brandon Bean's the general manager, but were a team that selected Dawson Knox out of Ole Miss. Dawson Knox, in his career, didn't have 40 catches. He had 600 yards with zero touchdowns. And that's because he was playing in an offense with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. So... Production isn't something that I feel like the Giants' new brass will prioritize as long as the traits are there and the athletic ability is there, at least the sufficient amount of athletic ability, which could be good for someone like a Jeremy Rucker or some of these other guys who were down in Mobile. But I would be shocked if the Giants don't look at the tight end position. It's a priority for the offense. They definitely need somebody to replace Evan Ingram, and I don't think they can necessarily rely solely on Caden Smith, a player that I do like. But let's transition to... I would say one of the more important position groups for the New York Giants because they only have one starter in the entire position group, and that is the offensive line. Andrew Thomas is the only starter right now. Nick Gates, we're not certain if he's going to be available. You can rely on Shane Lemieux, but he's coming off of a pretty devastating injury as well, a partially torn patellar tendon that he attempted to play through. Talk about competitive toughness, am I right? Yeah, Ben Bredesen. Yeah, he could possibly be an answer, but it's not ideal. And then I don't know who you're playing at right tackle with Matt Parrott done with the ACL. And I don't even think you could rely on Matt Parrott. So then there needs to be an overhaul at the offensive line position, a true overhaul. And if we look at the tackles down there in Mobile, the one that really stands out, the one who's being mocked in the first round, which I personally think is rich, is Northern Iowa tackle Trevor Penning. He's six foot six, 330 pounds, 
His arms are a shade under 35 inches, and his hands are over 10. He has excellent frame, good length, but Penning is making headlines because of an absolute pugnacious personality where he is just punishing national team defenders. So his teammates at this event. He got into it with Karan Johnson of Kansas. He got into it with Trevor Jones of UConn. And then he really got into it in practice two and practice three with Tyreek Smith of Ohio State. I mean, this guy drove Smith into basically the goalpost on one play. And then there was a two-play set on practice three where Trevor Penning anticipated a power move from Smith, but Smith employed a speed move and went around the edge and beat him. And Penning got so upset. So on the very next rep, Smith comes at Penning with an actual power move, tries to drive through Penning's chest. Penning does a good job kind of sinking his hips, re-anchoring himself, getting his hands inside, and then tossing Smith to the ground. And then he takes his hand and basically shoves Smith's head into the ground. Not a great move, to be honest. You don't want to do that to your teammate, but you want to talk about mean. I'm telling you, man, offensive line coaches probably loved to see that. Trevor Penning right now, as I said, he's being mocked in the first round. I think that's a little rich for me. I do. I know the Giants need tackle help. They really do. But the first round is a little rich for me. I think Penning could really improve his hands, his timing, his placement. I feel like all of those things were a little lackluster down in Mobile. There were some reps that he lost. There were some reps that he won. I think he's a solid overall prospect. Kind of reminds me, and not necessarily from a stylistic standpoint, more so how people are viewing him. Last year, Dylan Reduns of North Dakota State was being mocked in a similar way, and I thought he was more of a day two type of tackle. I feel that same way about Trevor Penning. Now, Penning has the mean streak. People are going to love that. He has the size. He has the ability. He just needs to refine his technique a little bit, and I think a good offensive line coach can easily do that. But the first round is just a little bit much for me. But he's probably the top tackle down there in Mobile right now. Another player that I thought had a pretty solid week of practice, somebody I had not watched yet, is North Dakota's Matt Wolotsko. Now, this is somebody from the FCS level, and now he's playing against guys from the Big Ten and all of these Power Five conferences. And he held his own pretty darn well. He had a bunch of really, really nice reps against Minnesota edge rusher Boa Mafe. And there was one where Mafe... Spun inside, Wolotsko tried to short set him. Mafe hits him with a spin inside, and you could see Wolotsko, you know, open his hips and then kind of ride Mafe away from the pocket. Now, initially, it looks like Mafe wins this rep, but Wolotsko had a good recovery. And then the other rep where Mafe tries to bend the edge on Wolotsko, and Wolotsko just kind of hits the inside arm down and just slams Mafe to the deck. I thought those were some really nice reps from Wolotsko, somebody I didn't know much about going into this event, but he's six foot six, 310 pounds, has over 35-inch arms, over 10-inch hands. He has the good measurables. Obviously played at that smaller school, but I felt like he held his own in Mobile. And a lot of these team periods with the offensive line, I felt like the offensive line wasn't as in unison. They haven't played with each other. And I felt like the defense dominated a lot of the team periods which is something just to kind of note. I'm going over a lot of one-on-ones. I felt like a lot of the team periods were just 
disjointed from the offensive line perspective. A lot of guys kind of running into each other, not necessarily blocking in unison. Their combo blocks were sloppy, which is something you expect at one of these all-star events. But let's go over another tackle prospect. That's Washington State's Abe Lucas. Did not like what I saw from him on the first day of practice, but he came out on the second day of practice, and I felt like his pass sets were much cleaner. I felt like his ability to stay square and his discipline and patience were also much better, much more crisp. He had a really nice rep against Kyron Johnson, who attempted to kind of drive through him. Kyron Johnson, he's a smaller guy, but he plays with excellent leverage and has great lower body drive and power. We'll talk about him in a little bit. And I felt like Lucas did a really good job just anchoring down and just keeping his feet moving, resetting his anchor, and then refitting his hands to ensure that he's not just bullied. I also felt like Lucas did a good job handling certain counter moves as well. So he was somebody on the second day of practice that I felt like kind of bounce back after a lackluster first day of practice. Other offensive linemen that I kind of want to touch on in terms of the offensive tackles, and I guess I should bring this guy up, and that's Daniel Fialele from Minnesota. Fialele is six foot eight, 387 pounds, and I'm not making that up. He's actually that big, and he attempted to play tackle down here in Mobile. Now, he had a couple nice reps in one-on-ones in the second day of practice on the second set of one-on-one offensive defensive line drills but for most of this event he's struggled he's gotten beat inside he's gotten beat outside and I mean the one that really kind of hit Twitter was when Majai Sanders who's a really talented pass rusher edge rusher from Cincinnati who Abe Lucas also on that second day did a really good job handling one of his counters because he's very very crafty Majai Sanders with his hands Majai Sanders, who is like 245 pounds, he's not necessarily a big guy, going up against a 387-pound Daniel Filele. So how does Sanders knock down Filele? Because Sanders hit that inside spin move, and Filele just got driven back and fell to the deck. And you might think, how the heck does that happen to somebody who is significantly bigger than Sanders? Well, it's all about technique, man. Like, Filele, he's a big dude, but if you get caught with your base tight and you panic and you're not using your hands to keep your chest clean you allow Sanders to get chest to chest win the leverage battle obviously because he's several inches shorter than you and you don't have the hands or the base to combat that you're probably going to stumble and fall and that's exactly what happened but throughout the entire week I just felt like Falele was getting beat a lot in one-on-ones and his slow feet and his inability to get the depth that he needs to stop wider rushers is going to be something that's going to give him trouble now he's so long I mean this guy has an 86 and 1 4th inch wingspan 35 and 3 8th inch arms 11 inch hands I mean those are mitts right there man those are clubs that this dude has right but man you're gonna have problems with speed and I felt like that was exposed a little bit in mobile but I will say on the third day of practice I felt like it was a little bit cleaner he was a little bit more disciplined but I just think if you just line up wide nines against this guy it's gonna be hard for him to cut that angle of some of these speed rushers and even some of these guys like Majai Sanders and you know Kingsley and Igbare who are down here at mobile another player Darian Kennard of the American team he attended Kentucky, six foot five, 324 pounds. They played him a lot on day one, I think exclusively on day one at tackle. They kicked him inside maybe a little bit in the second practice, if I'm not mistaken. But he's somebody who is very large, like Filele, but I, he's a little bit quicker with his feet. He's not as big as Filele. He's somebody that I think can be tested at tackle at the next level. 
And if that doesn't work out, you can kick him inside and he would be a really good guard because he's excellent in the run game. He knows how to use his hands. He knows how to play with solid leverage. I would say after I went over his film, it wasn't as clean as I would have liked. He can get a little bit high. His handling of counters in college was more so him using power than technique, which isn't something you necessarily want to see. But I still look at Kennard as somebody who can be a possible answer at right tackle. And if all things fails, you can kick him inside. and He's going to be a damn good guard in that situation. Let's transition inside to the interior offensive line. There's a lot of interesting individuals down there right now at the interior offensive line but none more interesting for the New York Giants than Zion Johnson out of Boston College. This is somebody who transferred from Davidson. I mean, that's the school that Steph Curry went to years ago. And Zion Johnson, he's 6'2", 314 pounds. He didn't exclusively play guard in college. He played a little bit of left tackle as well, but he was mostly a left guard. Well, down at the Senior Bowl, they tried him out at center. And this is somebody who stayed after practice. The NFL evaluators are going to love this. He stayed after practice every day and took snaps with a coach. That's something that you love to see. He's got long arms, big mitts, almost 11 inches. And what I love most about him, other than that work ethic and the versatility that he's going to provide to an offensive line in the NFL, is his hips, man. I mean, he has the ability to hinge. He has the ability to open his hips. If a defender tries to cross his face, he can cut that off. His ability to keep those hips on a swivel while mirroring and readjusting his hands, everything kind of works in unison. He didn't win every rep down in Mobile. There were plenty that he lost. I felt like the battle between him and UConn's Travis Jones was excellent to watch because Travis Jones abused him on some, and there were other reps where Zion Johnson was able to stay in front of him and anchor down and really just unlock an anchor that you want to see. You want to see in these one-on-ones that are more advantageous to the defensive lineman, you want to see the guard anchor down, refit his hands, resync his hips, and really show the flexibility and the balance in the center of gravity that you believe can translate to the NFL. And Zion Johnson has all that. Now, it wasn't on display all the time. I felt like his second practice wasn't as crisp as his first practice. But this is somebody who really, really intrigues me early in the second round, but ultimately I think he's going to be picked from around 20 to the end of the first round. I think he's going to slide into the first round. I think he's talented enough to go in that area, but man, I, I just love how fluid he is with his hips. You need that in today's NFL because there's so much movement up front. There's so many stunts and so many defenders coming at you from different directions. A lot of teams, whenever these defenses align in tight front, which is kind of growing in the NFL right now, they're running a lot more power gap type systems. Sometimes they kick out the center. The Giants have done this under Jason Garrett, and if you have those hips that can allow you to open them up and kick into space and then locate second level defenders, then you can spring bigger runs. And I also think Zion Johnson would be excellent in his own blocking scheme as well. So he has that kind of versatility. So he's probably the main interior offensive lineman to to look at and to monitor for the New York Giants. But I don't know if they'll be lucky enough to land him in the second round. So it would have to be a trade back type of situation. There were other interior offensive linemen that were really, really interesting. I think Dylan Parham from Memphis, he had a block, a reach block on the first day of practice in team drills. That was one of the best blocks I saw in team drills, which maybe isn't saying a lot because there weren't a lot of great blocks in team drills, as I mentioned before. 
But man, Dylan Parham, dude, that was a great reach block. I felt like watching, because I haven't seen his film specifically, but I felt like watching the individual drills, you see this guy resync himself. You see how strong his grip strength is. You see him just stop some of these really, really good national team defensive linemen. Somebody that caught my eye, and this is somebody who could be available on day three. He also made the transition to center, similar to Zion Johnson, and I was impressed with what I saw from Dylan Parham. Another player that made the transition to center is Cole strange. Now he was a guard in college at UT Chattanooga, six foot four, 304 pounds. This dude was out there with no gloves. Who the heck plays with no gloves? It's kind of fun to see, to be honest, but he has big hands too, 10 and one eighth inch hands. And he's somebody who was abused on certain reps, but then there were other reps where he really won. And there were two situations where he was abused on the first rep and then he came back in the second one and he won. One was against Houston's Logan Hall and I believe the other one was against UConn's Travis Jones. And you love to see that resilience. Now, Cole Strange, this is somebody else, in my opinion, that is ultimately going to be a day three pick, so keep that in mind. I am a little concerned with his ability to withstand power rushers at the next level, but I really liked the resilience he showed. I really liked how he attempted to use his hands. I just felt like there were times that he reached a little bit once contact was initiated and his balance would get a little bit shoddy in that situation. But once he got his hands inside, he did a really good job using that grip strength to pull the defensive lineman close to him and not allow him to create separation. But it's all about you have to get your hands inside first, which is a difficult task. And there were some reps where he didn't frame his blocks all that well, but he's still somebody on day three that you have to monitor. And I felt like he held up well with all things considered, coming from a small school. Now, in the Senior Bowl, we've seen over the last several years the Ben Barches of the world from St. John's. We saw Cole Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater last year. These were the small school guys who kind of came down and really impressed and rose up draft boards. I don't know if Cole Strange necessarily did that. Definitely not to the level of Quinn Miners, who was an absolute stud last year, but he still held his own well enough to be discussed as someone that's interesting on day three. There's another player that I really liked his film, and that's Kentucky's Luke Fortner. Now, Fortner I recognized his ability while watching Kennard, his teammate at Kentucky, and I was like, who the heck is their center? And he came down here, and I feel like more people are starting to know who the heck he is. He's a six foot three, 302-pound player who plays with excellent technique. He's very poised. He doesn't panic when he loses. He just goes right to his technique and kind of resets his hands underneath rising hands of defenders who are trying to explode low to high with their power. Now, I would say one thing that concerned me about his film, if I had to bring up my report on him that I wrote for Sports Illustrated, it's Luke Fortner isn't being discussed and wasn't going to the Reese's Senior Bowl until about mid-January where he accepted his late invite. He has an NFL skill set. Fortner possesses exceptional movement skills, solid overall technique, and he's scheme position versatile. His best scheme may be an outside wide zone rushing team that can take advantage of his lateral movement ability and second level location skills. Wish he was a bit stronger at the point of attack, but I came away impressed by his film. He's not generating a lot of buzz, but he's an NFL-capable player. And I stand by that. I really liked what I saw down in Mobile. He wasn't the best offensive lineman by any means, but I feel like he's being put on more people's maps now that they have seen him in person and they've seen kind of the overall mobility, his ability to move laterally, his footwork 
upon contact, his ability to frame blocks and not allow players to gain an edge on him. And once he is initiated in contact, how he uses his hands to reset and how he can sit back on his anchor. Now, I think he'll ultimately struggle a little bit with strength. Like I wish he rolled power through his hips a little bit more upon contact in the run game. I wish he did that, but he's not a liability as a run blocker either. So Fortner is definitely somebody who is interesting to me. Now let's make the transition to the defensive line. And the defense definitely was better than the offense, I feel like, as a whole in team periods, in one-on-ones. And you look at some of those national team guys, man, they're just ridiculous. The Logan Halls of the world, Travis Jones, the Perrion Winfrey, all three of those individuals were fantastic down at the event. Logan Hall is just a unique type of athlete. Now, Peyton Turner went in the first round out of Houston to the Saints last year. And Hall is someone who is long. He is quick off the snap. He can convert speed to power. He has a variety of pass rushing moves. He's very good at getting to the half man relationship and then bending. Man, this is somebody who can dip his lower body, get to the rip move, and then run right through offensive linemen. He can bull rush, has the pass rushing repertoire, has the penetration skills. I really think Logan Hall is somebody that might skyrocket up draft boards. I know a lot of draft punters talking about him right now, but he had a solid senior bowl event and he's very, very interesting. And then you have Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma. This is somebody who transferred to Oklahoma, only had two years there. They played him a lot at nose tackle, but he still had over 50 pressures in those two years. Well, down at the senior bowl, they allowed him to pin his ears back. This is somebody who's six foot three, 303 pounds, has over 35 inch arms, and he can bend and he can get to the outside of interior offensive linemen. This is somebody who could be an ideal three technique in a four down type of front. He can do more than just that though. A true penetrator and somebody who's wildly disruptive, who just knows how to employ his hands, knows when to strike, where to strike, how to strike. And he's also just somebody who plays like his hair is on fire. So Perrion Winfrey out of the University of Oklahoma is somebody who did really, really well. And that is not to anybody's surprise because he was an absolute stud heading into the event and a lot of people believed he would have this type of event down there he did not let down whatsoever but Travis Jones was relatively unknown this is someone out of UConn a smaller level of competition now they opted out they didn't really play in the 2020 season and I knew nothing about him going into the event he had 25 pressures last year according to pro football focus like I didn't know who Travis Jones was he came in at six foot four 326 pounds and he dominated almost every rep that he took it seemed like in the 1v1s this is somebody who explodes off the football with pure power and he can just bull rush you and he can back you up and he's also got some pass rushing moves as well he knows how to use his hands he knows how to kind of abuse a offensive lineman who's a little aggressive and goes to double punch because he gets that swap move really quickly and works to the edge man he punished Cole Strange on a couple different reps where Cole Strange got a little bit over aggressive and wasn't as patient and I felt like Travis Jones was very very decisive in those situations now Michigan's Eric Stuber he's an interior offensive lineman I believe he played tackle but he's probably going to play interior offensive line in the NFL took advantage of Jones trying to land an initial inside stab and then Stuber used a really nicely timed snatch and trap move which was good for the offensive line group to be honest because Travis Jones abused them for a lot of the event just pure power pure ability to drive interior offensive linemen back with excellent lower leg drive and also deceptive athletic ability for someone of that size now I'll say this about Jones 
A lot of people are talking about Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis from the University of Georgia. He's a senior. He did not attend the senior bowl. He's probably going to be a first-round pick because of his ability to defend the run. He doesn't necessarily have pass-rushing upside. So a team that is interested in Jordan Davis, if they do not end up getting him, you can find Travis Jones later. Possibly late on day two. I don't know if he's going to be available on day three, but it's a possibility. And you're going to get a good player. You're going to get a really good player, somebody who is not just going to be a space eater who could take on double teams, but somebody who can also penetrate with the size of being a mountain. So I really liked what Travis Jones did, and he's one of the biggest risers from this event. I thought Arkansas's John Ridgeway was another player. He's six foot four, 327 pounds. Another player who just had a really good event in terms of this team periods, man. He was just penetrating and just being an absolute nuisance, just very, very disruptive, and he also wasn't bad in 1v1 situations. Eric Johnson, the second out of Missouri State. This is somebody from a smaller school who was also very disruptive in team period, 6'4", 300 pounds. I just feel like this defensive line group is absolutely stacked. Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia, I'd be remiss if I did not mention him. Six foot three, 307 pounds. People that big should not be able to penetrate and have the burst and explosiveness that he possesses. And Georgia was the best defense in college football, the best team in college football. They won the national championship. And Wyatt doesn't get discussed as much as the Jordan Davises of the world or the Nicobe Deans. But I'm telling you, man, this is somebody who plays with excellent leverage. Again, he's only six foot three, and he gets underneath offensive linemen's pads, and he gets to the half man so quickly with active and violent hands, has pop on contact, and can create separation, and even has a flexibility to kind of turn the corner on these interior offensive linemen. I mean, he hit his teammate, Justin Schaefer, with this incredible cross chop from the inside to the outside part of Schaefer's shoulder and then just ripped right through his outside shoulder and just absolutely would have penetrated if there was an actual quarterback in the backfield. So Devontae Wyatt, he's he's a stud and he's going to be a probably a good player who could be a value in the National Football League. And if you look at some of these other defensive linemen that really stood out, I felt like LSU's Neil Farrell Jr. was just consistently making plays in team periods. He was good in the 1v1s as well. He's a big body, man. Now, this isn't somebody who is going to be the most athletic, but it's somebody who can run through your face. Similar to Otito Ogbonia from UCLA. He's six foot three, 326 pounds. Doesn't necessarily have a huge array of pass rushing moves, but just try to slow him down because once he gets a full head of steam, he can run through you. So these are all players, man, the seniors. These guys are going to be the next names in the NFL. And I felt like the defense really showed up in these practices. And like I said, in the 1v1s, they're more tailor-made for the defense up front. Obviously, the cornerbacks, not so much. But in team periods as well, man, these guys were all over the place penetrating and just abusing the interior offensive line. But let's move to the edge group. Now, the edge group has some dudes. And the biggest riser in Mobile... And he was already being considered in the first round, but he's still probably the biggest riser because I think now he's probably going to earn his way into the top 15. Who knows if he kills the combine, if he earns his way into the top 10, and that is Florida State edge Jermaine Johnson. Six foot four, 259 pounds. This guy started at Juco, went to Georgia, and then transferred after the 2020 season to Florida State, spent a year at Florida State, and was productive at Florida State. And he has the quickness. He has the bend. He has all the pass rushing moves. His first three steps of the pass rushing arc, his ability to dip his inside shoulder, get his hips, his feet oriented into the pocket, win in that scenario. It's very, 
very impressive, and it's very, very telling. And I love how Dan Campbell, at the end of the first practice, brought the entire team to the center of the field and had Darian Kennard of Kentucky face Jermaine Johnson in three reps. And in the end, Kennard won the second and third rep. So the entire defense had to do push-ups. But if you watch the first rep, Jermaine Johnson ran through Darian Kennard with a bull rush. He won the leverage battle, just landed that inside arm underneath Kennard's inside arm and unlocked the power of Thanos while driving Kennard, who is a gigantic individual, up the pass rushing arc and then finishing with just an impressive pancake of his own. Jermaine Johnson, phenomenal down there in Mobile, so phenomenal that his agents told him not to practice, or at least that's what I'm assuming happened because he didn't practice on the third day, but he's somebody who will probably be the first selection non-quarterback because Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, any of those guys can get picked up, but he'll be the first selection that's not a quarterback who's probably down here at the Reese's Senior Bowl. That's how good he is, but there were plenty of other edge rushers that really caught my eye. I thought D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky in team drill, 6'3", 234 pounds, absolutely blew up a sniffer coming around with a wrong arm technique and the tight end was just flattened at that point. He was also twitchy and had good explosiveness in the one-on-ones. I felt like Boa Mafe from Minnesota, we brought him up a little bit earlier, aligned him wide and he is a pretty interesting type of player who can run the pass rushing arc. Now, he's not necessarily the run type of defender, but as a speed type of rusher, I thought Mafe has that. Arnold Ebichetti from Penn State is another long rusher with an 82 and 1 8 inch wingspan. He's 34 inch arms, but he's a little bit shorter, so he has that natural leverage. I wish he had a better senior bowl. I don't think he had a bad senior bowl, but I think if he had a better senior bowl, he probably would have solidified himself in the conversation with some of these other edge rushers that we're going to be going over, like Enigbare and players like that. Ebiketti, he could still have an excellent senior bowl game, and that's going to definitely carry weight as well. But his teammate, Jesse Lucetta, is another really interesting guy. Now, he's one of these hybrid type of players. He aligned everywhere for Penn State. He was inside a three technique. They used him at four eye. They used him outside. He's somebody who does the four-point frog stance and looks really different when he's rushing the passer, but he hit this offensive lineman with this crazy outside jab step, swat inside move that just absolutely manipulated the hips of this tackle and he would have gotten a sack on this play and if you watch his film from Penn State he has all of those types of reps well within his film he's not the flashiest but he's somebody that I feel like could be maybe a late day two pick early day three pick that can come in and be a situational pass rusher and an elite special teams type of player he's slowly rising up boards and I think he was somebody who had an excellent day three just kind of impressing with his overall balance and movement skills specifically when he was in those one-on-ones his ability to sell like he's going to go in one direction and then use the agility to go in another direction totally freeze the tackle that's something that definitely popped out to me so credit to Jesse Lucada for that also really liked players like Kingsley and Igbare from South Carolina for the American team this is somebody who is quick off the snap somebody who is very very long and knows how to use his length knows how to keep tackles at bay he's not the bendiest around the edge but he can get to the edge and then knows how to employ certain moves to win around the edge similar to Majai Sanders he's not nearly as long as Enigbare 
but he's a little bit taller. Sanders' arm length is 33 and one-fourth, and Igbare is 35 inches, and that is a pretty significant difference. The wingspan of Igbare is 83 and five-eighth. Sanders is 79 and one-half. I think both of these players are going to be talked about around the same range, probably in the back end of round one, early round two type of edge rushers. Sanders had plenty of reps where he showed the quickness and he showed the, the array of pass rushing moves. He showed the ability to win with speed. I don't think either of these guys are overly bendy. They don't have the type of lower body flexibility as a Jermaine Johnson or a David Ajabo or other guys who are in this class, but they're both definitely prospects who are going to intrigue because of their ability to be disruptive, their ability to win one-on-ones, and their just overall athletic ability at the edge position. And Igbare is a little bit stronger, I would say, but I do really still appreciate Majai Sanders' overall skill set. I think Kyron Johnson from Kansas, very, very undersized, six foot, 230, but he is feisty, man. And he had some really good reps where he won the leverage battle and then had enough lower body strength to just power through guys who outweigh him by 100 pounds. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a day two pick or anything like that. I think Kyron Johnson is going to be one of those guys who's drafted a little bit later. It might take a little bit for him to get on the football field, but I appreciate somebody with the type of competitive toughness that he displayed down there in Mobile. And when you're watching these edge rushers and these defensive linemen, you're looking for how they use their hands, how they string pass rushing moves together, and what their overall athletic ability is like. And I think a lot of these individuals showed all of those things. They checked those boxes. The Sanders of the world and Igbares of the world. If you want to go to the defensive line, you'll look at somebody like Jones or Perrion Winfrey. I think they all showed that. And even with Jones, he's not the most athletic because he's so damn large. But for someone of that size, he's really damn athletic. I mean, look at Dexter Lawrence. You don't think of Dexter Lawrence as somebody who is a great athlete, but that dude is 340 pounds and you shouldn't move like he does when you're 340 freaking pounds. That's just absolutely insane. So, I really think the defensive line and the edge group made themselves some money. Let's see what they do tomorrow, Saturday, when the game happens. And I hope everybody who's listening to this will look at some of these prospects, remember their names, and then watch that game and say, you know, hey, I kind of really want this guy. So let's transition, though, to the linebackers. Now, as I previously stated, I don't feel like this event really showcases the linebacker skill set. But if there are some that kind of popped off a little bit to me, I thought these hybrid individuals, the Troy Anderson from Montana State, a smaller school, the kid from Nebraska who is really more of a cornerback, Jojo Doman, I felt like, well, he played apex defender for Nebraska, but I felt like those guys are interesting players who have coverage ability who still aren't liabilities in the box. I felt like Darian Beavers from Cincinnati, 6'4", 252 pounds. He had a couple really nice reps against McBride in the one-on-one coverages between the linebackers and the tight ends. I also saw him in team drills, position himself frequently in the right position, read his keys well, penetrated at the right time. Then there was Chad Moma of Wyoming, That's where Logan Wilson went to school. I don't think MoMA is quite the prospect of Logan Wilson. I feel like Logan Wilson is a better athlete than MoMA was. But inside the box, I saw a couple plays in the team periods and the nine-on-sevens where MoMA was really kind of scraping over the top, taking the right angle to the running back and displaying pursuit 
under an understanding of pursuit that I appreciated. Now, in coverage, I don't think he was perfect from what I saw, but I could definitely probably dive into that a little bit more. And like I said, in these one-on-ones, it's very difficult for the defenders to to win these reps because they're very tailor-made, two-way goes with no defenders adjacent to you for the offense. So let's transition to the secondary. Penn State's Jaquan Brisker, he could be a first-round pick. He's a safety. He opted out of this event, as did Utah linebacker Devin Lloyd. He's another one who could be a first-round pick. But my favorite defender in the secondary that was down here is probably Baylor cornerback Jalen Petrie. Now, some people consider him a safety. Some people consider him a cornerback. Well, for Dave Aranda down there at Baylor, he played nickelback. He was the apex defender, and he was damn good. He's 5'10", 196 pounds, and he's somebody who is a heat-seeking missile when coming downhill. He's very, very aggressive as a run defender, and he's also sticky in coverage. He can play man coverage. He's very smart in zone coverage, and Baylor runs a ton of match type of concepts, a ton of two reads, two safety read type of concepts, and man, Petrie was just very, very smart and had an understanding on how to pass off and when to come off of certain routes to eliminate throwing windows from the opposing quarterback. And we even saw something of that on day three of practice, not necessarily of that, but it was a play-action rollout play where to Petrie's side with Desmond Ritter. And Petrie was put in a conflict because Ritter could have ran, and Petrie was the responsible player for that run, the only one who could have made a play on it. But Petrie also had to sink underneath a crossing route. So Petrie stayed square to Ritter, moved laterally while gaining a little bit of depth, but also kind of showing that I can come downhill and hit you. Now, obviously, he wouldn't have hit him, but it would have been a three-yard gain, not necessarily something that you want to show off to evaluators. So Ritter attempted to throw the football, and the throw was not perfect, but Petrie was still in position to jump up and make a play on the football. I think if Ritter was a little bit more patient, or if he put a little bit more touch on it, it could have been completed. But the fact that Petrie still made a play on that ball, did not panic, which is something I saw on his tape. I did not see somebody who panicked all that much. I think that says something about this guy. And it was also something that was consistent with the tape that I've seen of the Baylor defense. So I really like Jalen Petrie. I think he's one of the winners of this week. Now the Giants last year drafted Aaron Robinson. They have Darnay Holmes. I'm not 100% certain how interested they'll be in an apex, uh, in a majority apex type of defender like Jalen Petrie. But he's a damn good football player. He really is coming from the Big 12 on defense. So you love to see that. So credit to Jalen Petrie. Other players that I felt like in the secondary are interesting. Obviously, Kobe Bryant, and that's his name. Yes, from the University of Cincinnati. He believe he won the Jim Thorpe Award this past year. Six foot one, 191 pounds. Very, very patient and press. Has the man coverage skills. And even in one-on-ones, he was winning... Not all of them, but he won a good amount of his one-on-ones, which is very, very difficult to do. He's somebody who can arguably be, you know, first, second round type of grade. He's a he's a good football player, as is my favorite cornerback who's down here, and that is Auburn's Roger McCreary. Now, what's unfortunate about Roger McCreary 
is his arm length. It's 29 and one-fourth inches. That's not good. That is a knock on him. McCreary was more than likely going to be a first-round pick, and now I don't know if he will be. But damn, this dude has some of the most fluid hips you'll ever see. They played a ton of man coverage down at Auburn. I mean, that's what they do. They play a lot of man coverage, and McCreary was very, very good in those situations. Everybody's looking for man coverage cornerbacks in the National Football League, and McCreary is somebody who can definitely fill that role. But I'm telling you, man, teams are not going to like that arm length. Teams will not like that arm length. That is very, very short. So that's going to definitely hurt him. I thought the two small school kids, Joshua Williams from Fayetteville State and Gregory Jr. from Ocheta Baptist University. I might not have pronounced that correctly. I thought they both showed up well, though. Now, they didn't win every rep, but I felt like the kid from Fayetteville State, Williams, did a really good job on the third day of practice, and Junior as well. He, they both had reps where they were very patient and they didn't panic, and that's something you expect from these Division II prospects going up against the top seniors in the country. I felt like their coverage skills were pretty solid. A little bit more intrigued by Joshua Williams because he's six foot two, 193 pounds with over 32-inch arms. That's something that's going to appeal to people, whereas Gregory Jr. is only 5'11", and he has just about 31-inch arms. That's not necessarily as appealing, and both these guys are going to more than likely be selected on day three, so keep that in mind. But for day three picks as developmental raw prospects, I think they are players to be interested in. You also had Nebraska's Cam Taylor-Britt. I brought him up before because the kid from Tennessee, Jones, just put him in a spin cycle in a one-on-one. Now, that's not necessarily indicative of Cam Taylor Britt. I think Cam Taylor Britt is interesting. Now, this is a dude who thumps. He's 5'10", 200 pounds, and on the first day of practice, they were doing stalk block drills. So a stalk block is when a wide receiver releases off the line of scrimmage and then goes right in to cut the angle off of the cornerback and block him for some sort of screen pass or pass into the flat. Now, obviously, whoever Cam Taylor Britt was going up against did not watch Cam Taylor Britt film because Cam Taylor Britt blows people up in this situation and he absolutely annihilated the wide receiver who attempted to stalk block him. And that's Cam Taylor Britt, man. He's very, very physical. I think the questions around him are going to be about his his deep speed and his long speed. The At the Senior Bowl, they were aligning him a little bit at safety. He has that kind of build that I don't think that's necessarily excellent for his long-term prospects to be a cornerback. And we'll see at the Combine if he runs a 4-4 in his underwear, people will be like, oh no, he has a speed now, which is, you know... I, I'm not really too high on on people running in their underwear, but I love the physical presence of someone like Cam Taylor Britt, so I wanted to bring him up as well. And I mean, if the American team tries some sort of flare pass to his area, he can make a a headline type of hit, which will put his name even more on the map. So that's just somebody to definitely uh, be aware of and know. But as for that, man, I mean, that's all I really have. I think like corners like Mario Goodrich, they they had up and down type of days. The kid from Clemson, a lot of these cornerbacks did because like I said, the wide receiver drills are a little bit more tailor-made for the wide receivers. So this was a little review that lasted about an hour about the 2022 Reese's Senior Bowl practices tomorrow or the day you're listening to this so possibly today i'm going to release this on friday the senior bowl is happening so tune in and see possible future giants competing against each other at the highest level in college the top seniors from college football joe shane was in attendance and let's see what's going to happen and as for big blue banter we will be back shortly to talk about these new york football 
Giants. Please, everybody, head on over to iTunes Review if you have not. Head on over to our Instagram, NY Big Blue Banter. Head on over to our YouTube page, Big Blue Banter. And please check us out on Twitter, Dan Schneier NFL. I am at Nick Filato. Everybody, please have a lovely one. Take care. Enjoy the Senior Bowl and be safe. Ta-ta for now. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.